Welcome to Beyond Technology, the experience podcast by Acrolec, where we chat about how we're transforming everyday lives with the help of technology. Hey everyone, welcome to the podcast. Today I'm your host, Tyler Kern, and joining me is a fellow Tyler. His name is Tyler Marpus. He's the head of projects for Acrolec America. Tyler, thanks so much for being here today. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. So today we are focusing on integrating kiosk hardware into a store environment. And I think a lot of focus is often placed on the software integration into the kiosk hardware, and that's not necessarily a bad thing or that's not wrong. But if that's all you do, then you miss out on a large portion of what makes a kiosk successful. And uh, so today we're going to talk a lot about that and talk a lot about the other factors that are involved in just making sure that this is right, that you successfully implement kiosks into a store. So Tyler, let's start here. When you have a client or a partner that's looking to implement kiosk technology into their stores, what's that first step that happens to begin the process of a successful implementation? Yeah, so for our, from our perspective, um, the first thing that we always like to do is what we call discovery phase. Uh, not a very creative name, but uh, appropriately named. Uh, from our perspective, not only is, is software important, that's a lot of what goes into the discovery phase. We want to understand what kind of point of sale is currently being run in that store, uh, what kind of payment devices, payment terminals are being used in that store. Um, and then we like to have a, a sort of a cross-functional meeting, uh, marketing, operations, IT, all of those departments in one room. Uh, we kind of yell at each other for a bit just to make sure that we're all on the same page. Uh, from a hardware perspective, we want to understand really two things. We want to understand what is your brand vision today and what is your brand vision tomorrow. Uh, tomorrow is really important for us because that's when kiosks are going to be implemented for these clients. Uh, it's not something that's going to go in in a week. It's not something that's going to go in in three months even. Uh, a lot of these projects can take you know between six and eight months typically. Uh, so having those conversations with marketing about brand vision is really important to us so that we can understand uh, how we can make the kiosk a disruptive technology that's well integrated into what the store's brand really is. Uh, so color of the kiosk is important to us. Uh, form factor, so what size of screen are we going to use? Uh, and then from there, uh, we really want to make sure that the hardware that encapsulates that screen, the PC, all of the peripherals, uh, is something that blends well. Uh, so we, we like to talk about uh, disruptive but integrated. Uh, we want the kiosk to really uh, fit that brand standard well. That's really interesting. I, I don't think I'd ever really considered the various options when it comes to size, when it comes to color and all of those things, and that making those decisions and having those conversations initially will lead to a more successful rollout and implementation later on. And so uh, what are some of those options when it comes to color? Can you customize for, for any color, for any brand, for anything like that to help it kind of blend in? Like you mentioned, I, I think you said um, kind of blending in, but also still standing out because it's, it's this tech forward type thing. Yeah, especially in the U.S. market, I find that very important. Uh, the U.S. market tends to be, uh, we say, between uh, three and five years uh, behind when it comes to retail and restaurant technologies than Europe or, or Asia tends to be. Uh, so it's important for us to have kiosks being a disruptive technology, something new, something that catches the eye of the everyday consumer, uh, especially when it comes to quick service restaurants. Um, the people that are typically inside your restaurant uh, that demographic uh, tends uh, to be uh, older sometimes in the United States than it would be elsewhere. Uh, you know, younger demographics in the U.S. We're, we're all about uh, speed of service. So sometimes we don't want to get out of the car. Uh, we might have placed a mobile order uh, when it comes to a lot of these restaurants. But we want technology to disrupt the customer journey. So we want it to be something that catches their eye. 
so from a color perspective, uh, that's really the easiest thing for us to do. Uh, our manufacturers uh, are really good at making sure that whatever color, uh, custom or otherwise, uh, is readily available for the manufacturing run of the client. Um, so that, that's always something that we like to check off pretty, pretty soon in the process, pretty early in the process, uh, because it is, is the most easy, uh, easy uh, thing for us to do. Um, when it comes to size of the kiosk, this is true globally that 27 and 32 inch screens are sort of the brand standards. Uh, it's sort of the industry standard, I should say, uh, for, for what size of screen. But that size of screen ultimately depends on what you're trying to achieve. When we talk about ticketing kiosks or kiosks going into a movie theater, uh, we may even go as, as large as a 55 inch touchscreen. Um, for, for smaller restaurants, you know, you can go 22 inch. Uh, we've got some, some brands using a 15 inch sort of tablet sized kiosk. Uh, the important thing to remember is that the kiosk interface, whether a guest has ever seen that or not, is something that they should already be familiar with. Uh, I walk around with two cell phones all day, uh, stare at a computer screen for, for eight plus hours every day, uh, as I know a lot of uh, the listeners do and a lot of consumers do. Uh, so that, that touchscreen interface is something that we're already familiar with. Uh, so we, we've got to do some interesting things to make sure that we're standing out. Uh, color is a big one. Um, we want to make sure that whatever brand colors have been approved, uh, that the kiosk fits that and fits that well, uh, so that when you put a kiosk in a store uh, and the store's colors are all pastel, that we don't have a black and gray kiosk uh, body sitting in there because it's going gonna, it's gonna to stick out too much. It's going to look like it doesn't belong in that store uh, and that whatever brand is trying to implement that is, uh, you know, I don't want to say trying too hard to try something new, um, but we want to make sure that it feels a part of that store experience. Yeah, that's a good point because uh, I suppose more and more we're focusing on the customer journey, and you've even mentioned that a couple of different times. Just the pathway by which you know the consumer uh, comes in and interacts with your brand, and so you don't want something that feels like it's outside of the normal bounds. And so even just simply the design, you know, and, and like you mentioned, the colors, the brand. If it feels like it's outside of the bounds of what you typically expect to encounter in a specific location, then that can be a disruptor of the customer journey rather than enhancing it, which is the purpose of the kiosk to begin with. Yeah, that's completely true. Uh, from our perspective, uh, placement of a kiosk is the number one thing when it comes to getting consumers on board. Uh, again, we'll talk a lot about disruptive technology in this podcast, I'm sure. Uh, but that disruption needs to feel subtle uh, at times. We want the guests to walk in. The first thing that they see are two, three, four, however many beautiful kiosks, bright screens, really, really engaging marketing content on them. We want to make sure that there's an employee of the store at the kiosk greeting guests, encouraging them to place their order uh, for what would be for many a non-traditional order point. We want to make sure that where we put that kiosk in the store not only fits the brand, but also fits the layout. So we spend a lot of time working with operations on not only discussing the, the overall customer journey, uh, so what does a, a what does a guest order look like from start to finish? But also, what is the physical customer journey? When I walk into your store, uh, what percentage of my of your guests are making a right turn? What percentage of your guests are walking straight to the counter? What percentage of your guests uh, maybe go and interact with something else in the store other than ordering first? Are they picking up maybe some retail grab and go items? Are they checking out uh, a new mug that you may have put in store that day? Uh, we want to define those things so that we can make sure that the kiosk is along that path. 
so that whatever journey the customer's taking, uh, that the kiosk becomes incorporated in that journey. We want to make sure that the guest, the consumer, the end user of this kiosk uh, feels that while the kiosk is new, uh, while the kiosk is maybe something that they're not familiar with, uh, that it's welcoming, that it, that it becomes quickly uh, a part of their new in-store experience. That's really interesting. Now, when, when you go in and you work with, with restaurants and, and with these brands, do you find that they already have information like that, like knowing what the customer journey physically is? Like if you come in this door, then you typically go this direction and you walk in, you approach this line from this way. Or is that something that you kind of work with them to figure out and then craft moving forward with the knowledge that there's going to be a kiosk in this location or something like that? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I wish it were always as easy as operations having <laughs> that information, but most often it's not the case, primarily because store layouts, especially in the United States, tend to differ uh, from store to store, franchisee to franchisee. Uh, in, in the restaurant world, um, when new brands or even existing brands are coming up with a new store layout, they often present their franchisees with multiple options of, you have this much square footage, uh, you may or may not have a drive-through. How are we going to best incorporate the new brand image into a given space? Hmm. So we spend a lot of time looking at blueprints with operations, um, especially for pilot stores. Pilot stores are so crucial to what we do. We want to make sure that we pick high-volume locations. We want to make sure we pick locations that have a good in-store traffic volume right away. We want to make sure that we're spending time looking at what does your physical store look like in order that we can maybe send somebody from Acrolect to these stores to spend an hour, two hours, maybe even a full day taking note of what percentage of guests tend to do X versus what percentage of guests tend to do Y. That way we can come, we can sit around a table with operations, with marketing, and we can really drive home uh, what our new customer journey is going to look like. So we've talked about this primarily from the focus on uh, food and beverage and the restaurant industry, but are kiosks becoming a larger thing in retail, and is that something that you've worked in a, a, at all at this point? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, kiosks are not restaurant-specific. Mm -hmm. I think the retail sector uh, is a great opportunity for kiosks to be implemented. Uh, we've worked with some very large retail brands, not only in the United States but globally, uh, in implementing self-checkout kiosks. Uh, which are becoming more and more popular. Uh, you see sort of the large brands doing that, uh, not only as a way to uh, increase the speed at which a guest can get into a retail location and, and check out, uh, but also for a way for there to be um, a more interactive experience that the consumer is able to engage with what they've actually purchased. Retail tends to be a little simpler, though, because from a self-checkout or a buy online, pick up and store perspective, they already have those locations decided. Uh, we're not going into um, a big brand uh, and saying, you know what, your checkout locations are all at the front of the store, let's put them at the back. For us, that doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense for our clients. Uh, so we want, we want to make use of the space as best as possible when it comes to retail. So we're less concerned about flow of the customer journey because more times than not, that's already dictated for us. Yeah, that's, that's a really good point. So I guess I've seen this across a number of industries now where you have technology that's coming and it's disrupting an industry and people are looking at it and saying, 
okay, yeah, I, I want that, but they don't know how exactly to implement that, which I think just highlights the importance of that discovery phase like you mentioned earlier, just that you're not just buying kiosks and putting them in a restaurant randomly or just putting them in wherever you know looks the best, but you're actually going through a, a lot of decisions before you actually uh, are putting these kiosks in the store, if that makes sense. And so I, I think that that's a big almost clarification to make because it, it seems like when there are trends in technology, people would say, oh yeah, kiosks, they're a big thing. I should probably get on that. But there's more that goes into that decision-making process than simply, yes, I want kiosks. Let's throw them in a store. Absolutely. Uh, and you really bring up a good point there. Uh, a lot of times brands tend to approach kiosks from a technology for the sake of doing technology perspective, uh, right. which, isn't, which isn't always the best practice. Uh, they tend to say, my competitor is doing this, so I need to do this as well, and I want to do it as quickly as possible. Uh, at Acrolect, we like to say, you know, you've only got one opportunity to do this right. Uh, so if we have to tell a brand, you know what, I know you want to do this in three months, let's do it in five and do it right so that we can make this a brand standard. Uh, we give that pushback more often than not. Uh, you know, there have been some clients that we've worked with, uh, restaurant and retail, that will say, you know what, we really need this by Q3. It has to be done by Q3. And we tell them we can do it by Q3, but we can do it the right way, cross-functionally, by the end of Q3. And we'll get some pushback. We'll have meetings. Uh, mm -hmm. Like I said, we'll sit around a table and yell at one another for a while. But at the end <laughs> of the day, and more often than not, uh, they, they do tend to approach the right way of implementing kiosk. We don't want to build the software in two months. We don't want to manufacture the hardware in six weeks and say, yep, throw it in a store, see what happens. Uh, you know, it's, it's not throwing spaghetti at the wall to see if it's cooked. We want to make sure that, you know, we've got that al dente noodle, as it were, when we're putting a kiosk in a store. We want to make sure that we have buy-in from operations because they're the ones that have to sell it to the employees. Regional operating managers are so important to what we do uh, at Acrolec. And I, and I know this is true not only in restaurant but in retail as well. Because they're the ones that are engaged with the store managers. They're the ones that are engaged with the franchisees. We want to make sure that there's a good training program put in place. Uh, because I'm sure you've heard this from other people, and, and I'll probably say it a few times on this podcast. Um, what happens is you have an employee in a store. They see new technology coming in, and their first thought is what? Is this taking my job? And for me... It kind of hurts, you know, hurts my feelings a little bit. I get a little heavy hearted when I hear that because mm -hmm. we don't sell kiosks to replace workers. We don't sell kiosks to take jobs. We sell kiosks to increase speed of service. So in a, in a restaurant scenario, the employee that works the front counter maybe has six or seven other duties now because the kiosk is fulfilling that order point. So not only are you going to have new opportunities, not only are you going to be able to have a chance as an employee to maybe do something different than your everyday uh, you know, nine to five or, or whatever shift you're working. Uh, but you have the opportunity to really change what the customer's journey is and to increase that journey. Uh, we want to make sure, and, I, and again, I'll go back to restaurant. Uh, when we implement a kiosk, we don't want to close the front counter order point. We don't want to you know, eliminate workers from the front counter order point. We want those workers to be making food, packaging food, delivering food to tables, making sure that drive-through is working more efficiently. And that's something that a lot of our brands and restaurants don't tend to think about right away, but we love to bring that to the table. Because when you implement kiosks in a restaurant scenario, 
what happens is you have more employees making food. You have more employees making sure that the items that are ordered during peak time are ready. So not only are you making the customer journey in-store faster, but you're able to get food out of the drive through window more efficiently. So your whole operations now is moving like a well-oiled machine just because you've installed two or three kiosks. In the retail sector, same thing applies. So we can go to a self-checkout scenario. In self-checkout, we're putting in maybe 10 or 15 kiosks that allow guests to check out at their own speed. Not only does that allow for, for more guests to check out more efficiently, but that also gives the store an opportunity to put some magazine racks, um, grab-and-go items, candy, whatever. So a guest can say, you know what? As a matter of fact, I did need a pack of gum for the car. Mm -hmm. I did need uh, you know, the latest issue of ESPN magazine. And the customer journey tends to be uh, a little bit more consumer-friendly at that point. Um, I, don't, you know, I don't like to, to speak badly of, of people uh, or employees, but I've got bad days. I'm sure you've got bad days. Sometimes I just don't want to be in the office. Sometimes they don't want to be checking out guests. The kiosk, you never have that experience. Right. That, that, that employee that was once customer facing uh, is now doing something in the background where, where they can indirectly interact with the guest, where they can maybe run groceries out to a car. Maybe mm -hmm. they can help a guest load their car with their uh, whatever clothes they purchased that day. Uh, things like that are really important to us. Uh, and we want to make sure that when we implement a kiosk, that it's not just technology for technology's sake, but that it's really something that improves what your workers are doing, improves your operations, and ultimately you're able to market better to your consumer and sort of tailor that experience to what your consumer already wants. That's a really good point. Now, I think you put that really, 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 really well. Not just kiosks and not just technology for technology's sake, but making sure it actually benefits the end consumer. And I think that, you know, when you're ordering from somebody at, you know, at an ordering, you know, spot up at the front of a restaurant or something like that, it's it's transactional. It's a means to an end. But if you remove that person from that 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 job and, and from that uh, that post right there, then you free them up to actually create maybe more impactful human touch points and you have a more efficient restaurant. So you have more things going on and, and you're, I, I think in a way what you're saying is you can almost create jobs by having a more efficient restaurant from top to bottom utilizing kiosks. That's 100% correct. Uh, going back to what I said, we never want to eliminate jobs. Uh, kiosks tend to increase throughput uh, exponentially. Mm-hmm. And by doing so, your employees are, are engaged with the customers in, in a different way. Uh, they, they don't have to interact face-to-face. -face. Uh, we often say here that a kiosk doesn't forget. Um, the kiosk doesn't forget to, to have that welcome screen that says, you know what, welcome to this restaurant, welcome to this, this retail store. Um, would, would you like to try something new today? Uh, it gives the guest uh, a more personal interaction, not only with the brand, but also with the menu, gives the guest a more personal interaction uh, with what's happening maybe that month with an LTO in a restaurant scenario. Sure. Um, you walk into a restaurant, you see digital menu boards, or maybe you see static menu boards that have products and, and images. But if I'm going to get a coffee and a sandwich, I already know what coffee and sandwich I'm going to get. On a kiosk, when I walk in, I know I want a coffee and a sandwich. But what the kiosk is going to do is it's going to allow the guest to explore items uh, a little more intimately. Uh, you know, they may pass 
uh, a different beverage. They may see a sandwich that's only offered for a limited time. And in doing that, you're, you're letting the guests know that, yeah, we sell your favorites, but let's take this opportunity to try something new. Um, in the retail world, that's, that's not as important uh, for, for the end goal. Uh, in, the, in the retail sector, you don't necessarily have that opportunity for what we call suggestive selling or customer-tailored selling. Uh, but in the retail sector, you do have an opportunity uh, for marketing on those screens the same way as you would in a QSR scenario. Um, if you've got new products coming in, um, you know, if you're launching a, a fall or a winter line of products, that's a great opportunity to, to explain that to your guests without needing to take an ad out in, uh, uh, on a website, without needing to take an ad out uh, in a newspaper, or even send a pamphlet uh, to consumers' homes that's going to end up in the trash. The customer's already in your store, so we may as well use that opportunity to engage with them uh, you know, at an intimate marketing level. Uh, and that, to me, all goes back uh, to form factor. We want to make sure that we have a good size screen in there that, right. that can be used for that marketing opportunity. We want to make sure that whatever the hardware gets selected as, whatever the components of the kiosk are, uh, while that's important from a back-end standpoint, the enclosure of that kiosk is also very important. Uh, you know, if, if we're talking about uh, a brand, a retail brand that maybe sells outdoor products, uh, do we want to have something that's cold and metal? Or do we mm. want to give the illusion that this kiosk is, you know, encased in, in wood? Do we want to make, do we want to embed this kiosk into a wall that has products surrounding it? Do we want to put this kiosk on a counter? Uh, all of those things for us matter. Um, and they matter to our clients the thing is, you know, we just we need to make the, the client aware that these things are important uh, because, as you've said and as I've spoken to already, it's something that doesn't often get thought about. Uh, right. Every, IT drives these projects a lot of the time. Uh, when we have a client come to us and it's, uh, you know, a senior marketing manager or a VP of marketing, uh, I get a little bit excited. It's sort of like Christmas Eve for me uh, because... <laughs> In those scenarios, I know that these people aren't thinking about uh, what software are we running because we can have those conversations. We have those conversations dozens of times a day with clients. Um, but whenever we get to have a conversation with marketing or a project where marketing is sort of championing kiosk for us, uh, it's really great because I'm not in marketing uh, at all. I, I don't think uh, all that creatively from a marketing standpoint. And that's been something that's Acro that Acrolec has challenged me well with and something I think I'd like to improve on. But when we get to have those conversations, it's, it's really great. It's really critical because we can take that experience that we gained from one client and we can apply that to our portfolio. We can say, you know what, they thought about something that we necessarily didn't and it worked and it worked well. Uh, so marketing-driven projects for us are sort of, uh, sort of the Easter egg in the Easter egg hunt. Uh, when we get those, it's, it's tremendous uh, for us. It's, it's really great to work with uh, marketing teams on implementing kiosk. It's really good to, uh, to work with design teams because hmm. we know that the end product is going to be something that isn't only uh, architecturally sound from, from a software standpoint, but it's also really beautiful to look at. Uh, we, we don't want just another screen in a store. Uh, you know, we, can, we can sell screens to stores all day long. What we want to sell is phase two of your business. What we want to sell is your business tomorrow, as I said. Uh, and again, that just stresses the importance of, of these cross-functional meetings that tend to happen, as we talked about in that, in that discovery phase. 
Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, just kind of as you as you mentioned the outdoor store, I, I, I thought about how uh, incongruent it would look for there to be like a Star Trek looking, uh, you know, kiosk type, uh, you know, sleek looking, uh, almost spaceship level kind of kiosk looking thing in like a uh, an outdoor store, you know, like a Bass Pro Shops or something like that. That, that just wouldn't work. That wouldn't fit. Right. And so uh, you just saying that I think kind of brought that up in my mind. And I think you're absolutely right. Like, when you have that, that marketing angle and everything kind of seems streamlined towards that end goal, uh, that really kind of puts you on a path for success and to, to set you up for the kiosk implementation to really be successful and to work. Certainly. Uh, and from our perspective, the best advice that we can give to any potential client or individual listening to this podcast would be know your consumer. Uh, know what you're trying to achieve uh, next quarter, next year. Uh, and and know what you've achieved already. You know, knowing where you've come from is important when it comes to implementing kiosks so that it helps us get the customer um, the best experience and get the client where they're going. Uh, like you said, a, a Star Trek looking kiosk or uh, something that, that looks very sleek and stark and you know, cold angles, that's great uh, for, for certain brands, but it doesn't work for everybody. Uh, kiosks are not uh, a one-size-fits-all uh, for when it comes to hardware integration. Mm-hmm. Uh, we want to make sure that the end result, the end product, uh, something that fits the brand. And that's like why I said marketing is crucial to what we try and do. Um, in addition to that, form factor again, I, I don't want to harp on this much longer, uh, but we, we really like to drive home the 27 and the 32-inch kiosk, not only because that's sort of a global industry standard, but also because that gives us enough enough surface area to seamlessly integrate the screen uh, into the store's brand vision. If we have, if we could install, you know, 20, 15-inch kiosks in a store without question, they can all sit on a counter over in the corner. Uh, they can look like great technology. Uh, but the reality is that when I walk into that store, I might not see what's on that screen right away. We want to make sure that that screen size fits the brand, fits the vision, and the content that's on that screen helps integrate that hardware into what that store is trying to to achieve from a consumer perspective. And I think you made a great point about these screens earlier when you kind of said that, you know, this is how people expect to be engaged with content nowadays and, and expect to be engaged when they walk in a store. You know, you mentioned, you know, People, you would rather have them do this than mailing a pamphlet. And I think that's absolutely right. You know, we all have a cell phone in our pockets. We all have, you know, computers, tablets, all of those things. So these screens are how people expect to be engaged when they walk into establishments these days. And no longer should it feel like, oh, well, my customers understand this or will they will they get it? If you kind of go through the process like what you're talking about and walk through that discovery phase and, and get the designs right and everything like that, customers will understand you know, intuitively how to use these screens just because it's what we do in our day-to-day lives now. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a great point. I'm glad you brought that up again uh, because for us, uh, from, from my perspective in, in working uh, with a number of brands, retail, uh, restaurant, and sort of otherwise, um, we want to make sure that not only are we disrupting, because disrupting is important. Uh, we find more often than not that when kiosks are installed in a new store, so when a store opens up with kiosks, that more guests tend to use that because they're not programmed to go to the front counter. 
So disruptive is important, especially if you have a large, existing, well-established brand, because we may install kiosks into two, three, four thousand locations where you have a thousand guests a day coming into your store and walking right to the front counter or walking, going, picking up their items and going to a person that they may even know. Uh, we find that very difficult to cope with a lot of times in the restaurant world because um, if I go to the same restaurant every day for my coffee, the person serving me my coffee probably knows me by name, whether that's because I've scanned my loyalty card, whether that's because they also work the morning shift. They know me. They know what I order. They may know a little bit about my family. Mm -hmm. We don't want to eliminate that interaction because that's so crucial. Uh, it's, it's very important to make sure that there's still some familial sense. Uh, and that's, that's why for us, going back to the software, uh, having a software that uh, may have some loyalty integration, uh, that if a brand has a loyalty program, um, that we're able to then not only say, you know, welcome, Tyler, thanks for stopping in again, but we're also able to say, I know you order a large coffee with two cream and two sugar every day. Do you want that again? And that way we don't eliminate uh, that sort of familial, intimate experience that somebody may get by walking into the same restaurant every day. Uh, but we're able to relocate that interaction to somewhere, uh, somewhere else in the store. Absolutely. And these are all just important factors to think through when you're talking about successful uh, implementation of kiosk technology in restaurants and retail locations, anywhere where you are putting these in. So Tyler, thank you so much for joining me today and uh, talking me through some more of these types of things. There's just a lot to think about. And uh, you guys do a great job of ensuring that when you implement these, that, uh, that you've kind of thought through all of these different elements. And so thank you again for walking me through this today here on the podcast. Thanks for having me. Really appreciate your time. Thank you for listening to this Market Scale podcast. For more content just like it, head over to marketscale.com. Click on industries at the top of the page and then scroll down and find the industry that most interests you. There you'll find podcasts, written content, as well as videos. We'll be back soon with another episode of the podcast. But until then, I've been your host today, Tyler Kern. Thanks for listening.